So camp was awesome. Um, are there middle schoolers in the room who went to camp? Some right here. It was fun, right? I mean, it was at least a little bit fun. Um, we had such a great time at camp this year. Um, and so I wanted to show you guys that and kind of dovetail off that because there's something that uh, was talked about at camp um, that I think is incredibly important to talk about today. Um, because it's something that I think that Jesus wants to see happen in all of our lives. Um, and something that happened in the lives of a lot of students at camp and several students who go to church here. Um, and, and what it is, is what we saw happen is, is Jesus step into the lives of our students. And he led several of them to realize that they were meant for so much more than just floating through life. And what they were meant for, what they are meant for, and what I believe Jesus led them to realize is that they are meant for making ripples in the world around them. We talked about how Jesus changes everything. Uh, that was kind of our, our theme for camp this year. And, and towards the end of the week, one of the things we talked about is how Jesus comes along and he changes our worldview. He changes the way that we see ourselves and specifically the, the way that we see ourselves in relation to the world around us. And that was kind of the main point is, is that Jesus leads us to this place where we realize that we are not meant to just float through life, but we are meant to make ripples. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. I'm not going to dive too deep just yet because uh, we're going to cover that towards the end of our message today. But, but I was so proud of our students because not only did they, did they realize this, but, but several students, as you saw, stepped forward in obedience to baptism um, and, and began that journey with Jesus um, where I am confident he will continue to remind them that they are meant to make ripples in the world and they are meant to change the world uh, by the power of the Spirit within them. And so that's amazing. Would you, would you agree with me that that's pretty amazing? Um, that's incredible. I believe even that that's a miracle as a work of God. Um, but I think that it would be wrong of me this morning to speak of Jesus doing that as if that's not what he always does. What I want to kind of convey to you all this morning and students in the room, what I want to convey to you in particular is that this is what Jesus always does. All throughout scripture and all throughout life, when we see Jesus showing up, he is always someone who's going to show up out of nowhere. He's going to change our identity He's going to change our mission. He's going to change our relationships. And he's going to change the way that we see ourselves in relation to the world around us. I mean, you jump into scripture, and we see this right off the bat. But, but later on in the New Testament, we see this in the life of a guy named Paul. Now, we're at church, and I feel like we talk about Paul all the time um, because he's one of the, the greatest examples of Jesus transforming a life that we know of. Um, but I just I want to talk about him again because what we talked about at camp, I see on display so much um, in Paul. So I want to kind of 
focus around this idea of, of, of floating for, for a minute. You, you see, I brought a pool float um, with me, and I'll talk about this more in, in just a moment. Um, you like my donut float? I was at Walmart, and I was like, I got to get the, the inflatable donut. Hopefully, that doesn't knock anything over. But Paul was this guy who, who Jesus transformed. We talk about this experience in the book of Acts where uh, where Paul was walking along the road to Damascus. He was on his way to, to round up Christians, to arrest them, maybe even to kill Christians. Um, and, and, and Jesus shows up. He blinds Paul. He changes Paul's life forever. Um, but we don't really talk about where he was that much before. I mean, we know he hated Christians, right? We, we know that he despised the church. We know he wanted nothing to do with Jesus. But but I want to dive a little bit more into Paul's life before Jesus. So there's this amazing passage in the book of Philippians where Paul, he's writing to a church in the city of Philippi. And he says this in Philippians chapter 3, if I can get to it. He says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day, just like the law of Moses commanded. I was born into the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, I was a Pharisee. Basically, that means that, that he was serious about the law. Um, I was a Pharisee in regards to the law. As to zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, I was blameless. So Paul, he's, he's given us a glimpse into his life before Jesus, and he's saying, guys, listen, when it came to Jesus, when it came to being a good Jewish man, I was at the very top of what I was supposed to be doing. All the people around me hated Jesus, and I was their leader. We see one of the, the clearest examples of this in the book of Acts towards the beginning. There's this guy named Stephen. We know him as the first Christian martyr. And Stephen, he preaches this sermon. He ticks off a bunch of Jewish people, and these Jewish people, they create a mob. They take Stephen outside of the city of Jerusalem, and they stone him to death. And there's this one little verse that mentions um, Paul. At that time, his name was Saul. He hadn't met Jesus yet, and so his name was Saul. And it says that as they were stoning Stephen, they were taking their coats off, and they were laying their coats at the feet of a man named Saul. And, and what, I, what I imagine is that Saul was there collecting everyone's coats and he was looking at the scene and he was just grinning to himself. He's like, yeah, these Christians, they don't know what they got into. And I imagine that, that Saul at the time was enjoying this moment of bitter hatred towards Jesus and towards his followers. He was a obeyer of the law of Moses. He was strict about it. And anyone who, who veered to the left or to the right of strict obedience to the law, he was like, get him out of here. And what I started thinking about the other day is kind of asking myself the question, okay, where did this start for Paul? Like, surely he didn't just wake up one morning and said, you know what, I'm gonna hate Christians today. I... I started thinking, like, what, what was the process that, that led Saul up to this place where he was giving hearty approval of the murder of a Christian? How did he get to the place where he would go to cities with orders from the temple 
to arrest Christians, women and children, families, and to round them up and to take them to Jerusalem where they would be imprisoned and some of them even be killed. How did he get to that place? And I started thinking about pool floats. As weird as that sounds, let me explain. So if you think about a pool float, they're pretty cool. You can uh, wrap one around yourself and go hop in a pool for a while and you'll just float there. If you've ever been tubing down a river, uh, right here at the Salt River, I don't know if anyone's ever been tubing there, um, you can hop in a float like this and just sit there and just chill for a little while and just float down the river. Um, they, they can be useful, um, especially if you're in a place where you don't want to drown. Um, but, but all they do is float. I mean, that's really all they do. You fill them up with air, and they don't sink to the bottom. And if you put them in a river, if you put them in a creek, they're just going to go along with the current. Whatever is going on around the float is going to determine what happens to the float. You can't really put a float in the middle of a river and expect it to just stay there. And so when I think about the Apostle Paul, I, I think about this idea that he was born into Jewish society. He says, I was born into the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was born into this society that at the time had a major problem with Jesus. That had a major problem with the followers of Jesus. And what I imagine is that Saul grew up, he lived his teenage years, students, in this society where it was probably regularly hammered into his brain that anything outside of strict observance of the law is heretical and deserves death. He grew up to the point where he was considered a Pharisee in regards to the law, so he obviously went underneath some strict training, some strict teaching, and he lived in a world that, that he just kind of floated in. And the current of, of hatred towards Jesus and strict observance to the law and trying to earn God's favor and, and all of this stuff were just things around Saul that, that just led him along, that he just floated in, that he was just kind of there in the middle of. Until one point, he ended up so far down the river that he himself rose to be a leader of the killers of Christians. He was a pool float. But then we know that Jesus did show up, praise be to God. Jesus showed up in a massive way, crashed into Saul's life, blinded him. Jesus spoke to Saul, said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul ended up going into the city of Damascus. A disciple named Ananias showed up. He laid his hands on Saul and he said, brother Saul, uh, regain your sight. He told him about Jesus. Saul gave his life to Jesus. He was baptized, and he became one of the greatest leaders of the church that the world has ever known. And I tell my students all the time, what we don't realize is that all of us in this room are sitting here today as a result of the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Paul. 
So he went from floating to doing something altogether different, which I would call making ripples in the world. We turn over to Acts chapter 17, and we read about Paul and his companions, and they're in this city, and they're doing what they do best. They, they went into this city. They started telling people about Jesus. People were amazed. They started following Jesus. They stirred things up. They made ripples. And the people in this particular city of Thessalonica, they didn't like it one bit. And so they, they got this mob of people together, kind of a pattern here going on, but um, they got this mob of people together and they tried to find Paul and his companions. And when they couldn't find Paul and his companions, they, they found some other Christians in the city and they, they rounded them up. They essentially seized them and they brought them to the authorities and they were speaking of these Christians in this scene, but, but I believe they were also speaking about Paul and his com companions who had kind of started this move of Christianity within the city of Thessalonica. And in verse 6, one of my favorite verses of all times, the, these people, they were speaking of Christians, and they said this, when they could not find Paul and his companions, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, and they shouted, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. I cannot think of a greater descriptor of Christians. That when Christians show up, the world turns upside down. That when Christians show up, ripples are made. That when Christians show up, schools are transformed, families are transformed, friendships are transformed. And ultimately, the world is transformed when Christians walk into the room. And I think the reason why that happens is because when Jesus shows up, an identity shift happens. I told you before that the Apostle Paul was afloat, just floating along in his culture, doing whatever the world around him told him to do. But Jesus shows up and an identity change happens to where Paul is changed from a float into a rock. You probably didn't expect going to church this morning. You're going to hear about pool floats and rocks, but here we are. The apostle Peter, later in, in 2 Peter, he, he talks about the church. He talks about Christians and he says, you all are living stones. Now, in the context of what Peter was writing, he was saying that you as living stones, you are built together into this, this structure of worship unto God. It's kind of the imagery of, of stones being stacked together, just like beautiful stacked stone on the, the outside of a house. That's kind of the, the picture that Peter is painting. But, but I love the verbiage that, that Peter used, or not the verbiage, the, the, descriptor, the descriptor that Peter uses in calling Christians living stones because isn't that exactly what happens to Christians when Jesus shows up? They are changed in an instant from pool floats into rocks, into living stones. And what I know is that ultimately, people will fall in, into one of two categories in life. 
They're either going to fall into a category of, of a pool float where they just float along, they, they do whatever the culture around them tells them to do. They don't really make much of an impact. They just stay on the surface. They stay comfortable. They got their drinks in the cooler. Sun is nice. It's warm. And they just go not really making much of, a, of an impact on the world around them. Or people fall into the category of rocks, where they give their life to Jesus, where they step forward in obedience to baptism, where just like my friend Kaylin right here did last week, they start a journey with Jesus where they say, Jesus, you can have my entire life. You can change my identity. You can change my mission and my values. You can change my relationships, and you can change the way that I see myself in relation to the world around me. And Jesus, he accepts that invitation. He steps in, and yes, he changes our identity from pool floats to rocks, but he also changes the way that we see the world where at one point we saw it as something we just floated along. To where now, in the power of the Spirit at work within us, we see the world as something that we are intended on affecting. We see the world around us as something that we're supposed to make ripples in. So at camp, I had a couple students walk up to me, and they said, Spencer, they said things like, Spencer, uh, I'm ready, or Spencer, I want to recommit my life to Jesus, or, or Spencer, I want to I do this thing. And, and so I, I sat down with, with multiple students, had multiple conversations, and what I noticed across every single one of those students was this joy and this peace in their lives. Yes, because Jesus loves them, and, and that's incredible. But this joy and this peace in their lives where they had a new mission. They had a new purpose. They had a new reason for breathing. Because they had finally come to a place where they realized the reason why Jesus, why God put them on the earth. And so last Sunday, I got some of those students together, and I was like, you know, you guys listen to me talk every single week. I need to shut up for once. I need to let you guys talk. And they did a phenomenal, phenomenal job. And so I reached out to them this week, and I said, hey, we're doing this thing called Student-Led Sunday. Would you want to share your story with our church? Um, and that's exactly what they did. And so you're getting ready to meet three of my really, really good friends, um, Adam and Kaylin and Nate. Uh, we've got a video to show you. So if you guys could direct your attention to the screens, that should start playing here shortly. Three, two, one. So basically I went into camp and I was a nervous kid 
didn't really know anybody until I learned that my best friend, he was actually in the bunker right next to me. And it was kind of funny because I went to rest time and he was laying down right in the bunk next to me. And I was like, what? And then um, I went into this thing called family groups because um, they put us in these family groups so we can talk about our time and our reflection together. And I didn't really know anybody in that family group. The first day was kind of awkward. The second day it got better until my group leader, Drew and Alyssa, they were like the best group I had. And I started out in the family group as one of the kids that was just paying attention. The next, next day I could be myself. I really wanted to be myself. And over time, the family group basically taught me to be myself. So they pushed me to be the step to get baptized. And whenever I got baptized, um, I went into the water not knowing anything, uh, didn't really know anything. And then whenever I came out of the water, I didn't feel anything until I realized my, my shoulders were light. There was uh, pounds of weight just lifted off. It's like Jesus in the water. He took off the weights off my shoulders, all the pressure that he had on my shoulders. Okay, so the reason why I decided that I wanted to get baptized was um, because I've been through a lot of rough spots in my life, um, like anxiety, family stuff. Um, and one of my friends at camp, she was really close to me and she came up to me one night and was like, you just need to let go and let God and you can't do everything on your own. And like that immediately sunk in that she was right and I needed someone else to help me get through like rough spots in my life and um, although like friends have helped um, God is the only one that can really help me and yeah. Recently I decided to rededicate my life to Christ uh, at camp. I was like first baptized at six so I was young and didn't exactly know like all the responsibilities that went along with it. You know when you're like trying get like a puppy, but you don't uh, know the responsibilities. You know that it's cool to have a puppy, but don't know kind of what that means. I have anxiety, so when like I hit a rough spot in my life, I start to ask questions and feel unsure about my faith. And it wasn't like my main focus in my life. I had been like hanging out with friends and stuff and I kind of stopped connecting with God. Uh, at camp, I was kind of taught what it meant to be baptized, like the responsibilities that come along with that. There was this one really good worship song that said, I'm available, talking about you being available for uh, God to come into your life and use you. So uh, Spencer had this awesome lesson about a rock and a float. So the rock was people that believed in Christ and when you threw it in water, it made ripples. And if it was in a current, it wouldn't move. They would give us these little like rocks um, that we wrote our name on, and when I did that, I also wrote the words, I'm available, on it. 
So I threw that in the lake. It made a bunch of ripples. Then I broke down and just kind of felt God move and started crying. Um, after that, I felt like that's just really what I wanted to do with my life and give it all to Christ. So.